everyone. Welcome to Crime Colts and Coffee. I'm Bryn. And this week, I actually do have some new recommendations for you. And before we get into that, I just wanted to quickly say that I am so appreciative of all of the recommendations coming my way, the listener art coming my way, any interactions that have happened within my DMs, any listener stories, any case suggestions. I'm just so grateful for all of it and I especially love the interactions that have been happening in the DMs lately because it's even outside of the podcast. I've been getting a lot of videos sent my way that listeners think that I might like or find funny. I get lots and lots and lots of Halloween deco inspo and Halloween posts sent to me because as everyone knows who listens, I am obsessed with Halloween. And not only that, but I even had a listener sent me really cute baby Halloween inspired books and I am definitely going to be ordering those for my future spooky babe. So thank you everyone who's been reaching out and I just love you all so much and I'm just so grateful. So before we get into the coffee recipe for today because yes I'm going to be doing another coffee recipe I believe last episode I was able to drink coffee, so I am getting some actual coffee reviews in there for you when I can, but sadly, the past two days, I've been dealing with major acid reflux. Actually, it's happening right now, and I just can't even think about drinking coffee today. Along with the acid reflux, I have been struggling today with really bad calf cramps and charlie horses so that's all fun stuff but aside from that no complaints everything's going well i feel great i'm exhausted all the time but that's because i am just doing what i've always been doing keeping busy and feel really good other than that so getting into recommendations, I want to start this week with some book recommendations because I actually have been able to find time lately to read and it's mostly because of the cloud library that I mentioned in last week's episode. I am officially obsessed because I can listen to books at work and I do like to mix my podcasts in here and there that I listen to obviously but I have been able to listen to books more depending on what I feel like that day. So this week I did finish almost two books. I have like 45 minutes left on my second book and both are books by Riley Sager and I want to give a shout out to listener and my friend Amanda for recommending that author to me. I'm officially obsessed with his writing style This week, I listened to The Last Time I Lied by Riley Sager. I absolutely loved that book. There were twists and turns that I didn't expect, and I went right home. I had an hour left to finish of the book after work, and I sat on my couch listening to the rest of it, and then proceeded to look up if there have been any movies or TV shows created based on the book yet, because I loved it that much. And then currently, I'm listening to The House Across the Lake by Riley Sager, which I, again, have 45 minutes left of the book, so I don't know how it ended yet, 
but again, lots of twists and turns. I didn't like that one as much as the last time I lied, but I still thought it was a really great read. So check both of those out. They're both thrillers slash one is kind of spooky paranormal related and without giving too much away again lots of twists and turns and a really good thriller read in regards to tv shows since the last time i recorded we finished based on a true story i don't know if i mentioned that last episode or not and again give that a watch on peacock if you haven't already really good show and hopefully there will be a second season Aside from that, we've just been watching Justified on Netflix, which I think last night we found out was created in like 2010 or something like that. So we're just jumping on the bandwagon with that one, but it has us sucked in so far. And I think they actually just started up the series again. So maybe it is a blessing in disguise that we just started it now because we have a lot more to look forward to, hopefully. Podcast wise, I have nothing to recommend this week because I have been on my book kick and like I said I mix podcasts in here and there while at work but it's been the same podcasts that I've been listening to or ones that I've already recommended. So on that note into the coffee recipe. Today's coffee recipe is going to be a brown sugar maple whipped coffee. This is an iced whipped coffee And I felt inspired to talk about this one just because I am in definitely a fall, well not that I'm not always, but I'm definitely in a fall spooky October Halloween type of mood. And I think some of it has been because people have been sending me so much of that. It's constantly in my feed, but I'm just, I'm ready. I'm ready for fall. So I thought a brown sugar maple was kind of a fun fall flavored type coffee, although it's iced so you can have it in the summer. So the ingredients that you will need for this are two tablespoons of instant coffee or Real Good Coffee Co. Espresso. And the reason I'm suggesting Real Good Coffee Co. is because that is the website I got this recipe on. It is realgoodcoffeeco.com. So you can use the Real Good Coffee Co. Espresso or any of your choice. You also need two tablespoons of brown sugar, two tablespoons of hot water, two tablespoons of maple syrup, and almond milk. In a bowl, you're going to pour your instant coffee or your ground espresso, your brown sugar, your hot water, and you're going to mix together with a hand mixer or milk frother. You're going to mix all three ingredients together for about five minutes until you get a meringue-like consistency and the coffee is fluffy. And then in your glass of choice, you're going to pour the pure maple syrup to the bottom, add almond milk or your milk of choice halfway up the glass, and stir until the maple syrup is kind of mixed in with that. You're then going to scoop the whipped coffee on top of the almond milk or your milk alternative until your mixture is fully in the cup. So you're topping that off on top of it. You're not mixing it in. And finally, you're going to sprinkle cinnamon on top of the whipped coffee. Give it a little bit of a stir if you want or you can just sip it as is and enjoy. So if any of you try that, please reach out, send pics, Let me know as per usual, and as soon as I'm able to, I'm going to give this one a try. 
Now let's get into today's episode. So grab your coffee and have a morning with us. In today's episode, I will be discussing the case of Nancy Carolyn Walker. According to an article from 2020 published by Unforgotten 51, quote, Black women are murdered at twice the rate of women of other races in the United States. Indeed, according to the Centers for Disease Control, an analysis of female homicide statistics between 2003 and 2014, black and indigenous women were killed as a result of homicide at rates more than double women of other races. Moreover, a 2010 CDC report found that black and indigenous women also experienced rape, stalking, and or physical violence at rates 20 to 50% higher than those experienced by Hispanic, non-Hispanic, white, Asian, or Pacific Islander women. So getting into the background of Nancy Carolyn Walker, her close friends and family called her Carolyn, and she was born August 15, 1947, in Birmingham, Alabama. Something I want to say before I get deep into her background is that although I could not find a lot of articles providing information on Nancy's story, the ones that I did find had a lot of background information in regards to Nancy, which was absolutely incredible. Nancy's mother's name was Willie Walker Anderson, and Nancy was the oldest of six sisters. Her sisters' names were Valerie, Rhonda, Donna, Vanessa, and Myrna. Fun fact about her and her sisters, growing up, they loved to indulge in eating black walnut ice cream and chocolate chip cookies. Her younger sister, Myrna Walker, she and Nancy were best friends, and the reason I'm bringing her up is because she's going to be mentioned a lot in this story. Nancy would go downtown to meet her sister Myrna at work every day. They would go to lunch together, frequently at Wendy's, and as a kid, Nancy was known to be a busybody. Since eight years old, she always knew she wanted to be an entrepreneur. She went to elementary school in Alabama, but in 1961, her family moved to Chicago, Illinois. Here, she briefly grew up in Chicago's south side in the projects, although her mom did not want to stay in the projects forever. The community was tight-knit during that time. In one article, Nancy's sister Myrna even fondly recalled them referring to neighbors as relatives, so they would call neighbors like aunt and uncle and such. They remained in the projects for a few years until eventually moving into a house in Chicago. One thing about Nancy was that she loved to dance. The fondest memories of her always include her dancing, and she loved all kinds of dancing, but especially took to modern dance. At some point, she had also studied ballet and jazz. And growing up, she danced at Francis Parker High School on Chicago's near north side. So that was the high school that she had attended. But aside from dance, at some point in high school, she had also been captain of her cheer squad. After graduating high school, she studied at Columbia College for a period of time, where she majored in accounting. She also went to Roosevelt University. Eventually, she opened her own studio in Inglewood, and here she taught yoga and jazzercise. 
Her dreams of becoming an entrepreneur also flourished as she became, quote, a landlord of five residential buildings she purchased, a beauty salon, and a trucking company. And that was a quote from Unforgotten 51. Nancy was also a big foodie. She loved trying out different restaurants and types of food, and her favorite included hush puppies. She was known to have an inquisitive, vibrant, and beautiful soul. She was a practicing Buddhist and was also described as a perfectionist. She was 55 years old at the time of this story. January 28, 2003, Nancy had called Myrna to tell her that she was on her way to meet her for lunch. However, Myrna became concerned when Nancy never showed up. Myrna said she called her all day and night, as well as all day the next day. She became increasingly worried when she never received a call back from Nancy, but thought maybe she was occupied and brushed away fears of worry. Two days later, Myrna learned that Nancy never showed up for dance class with her dance troupe. It was then that she decided to go to Nancy's house for a wellness check. She said that upon entering the home, she knew something was wrong and that Nancy hadn't been at the house for days. Nancy's cell phone was also there, but there was no sign of her anywhere. The police were then contacted and Myrna went straight to the precinct to file a missing persons report. According to the family, the police showed lack of concern and suggested that Nancy just up and walked away from her life. Other scenarios were also mentioned regarding why she could have quote-unquote up and left, including drugs, alcohol, etc. The family said this pretty much happened as soon as police found out that Nancy was from Englewood, and stereotyping arose from there. The family obviously knew Nancy and that this wasn't the case, especially with all of the responsibilities she carried with her businesses and such. They kept pressuring police to look into her disappearance and the possibility that it could be something more sinister. From here, the family said they were given the response to wait until Monday, which would have been about a week since the last time Nancy was spoken to, which is absolutely insane. I am infuriated for this family. There are no words just so wrong on the utmost levels that a conclusion was jumped to just because of where this woman lived and the demographic of that area. And we'll get a little more into that in a bit, but I cannot even imagine what this family went through and it's just horrific to think about. Luckily, Nancy had a longtime friend named Delmarie Cobb that Myrna had reached out to Delmarie was a former TV news reporter and a media political consultant. She helped organize a press conference, and this was held with Nancy's family at a beauty salon in Southside, Chicago. In the meantime, the family, as well as Delmarie, continued to contact police, pleading with them to search for Nancy and put her as a missing person on their website, which really isn't asking for much at all. This is sickening. The lack of police and media attention was disgusting and jarring, especially for Nancy's family, 
as the full-blown media coverage of Lacey Peterson had also been occurring during this time. And this is a quote from Unforgotten 51. Quote, Further illustrating that the cases of missing or murdered black girls or black women most often fall by the media wayside. And this is sadly a devastating truth that can't be ignored and will hopefully lessen as awareness of the fact is brought forward and time progresses. That's all we can hope for. At some point, a witness or witnesses had come forward with a story of what they had seen happen in regards to Nancy. According to Nancy's sister Myrna, this is what the witnesses had said and what she speculated could have happened. And this was all a quote from Fox 32 Chicago. Quote, A black van pulled up and they say she came out of the salon, walked over to the van, opened the door, got in, and then they just took off with her. They were probably telling her about some property that they may have wanted to show her, but I don't think she totally trusted them. But she didn't tell me about them because maybe they were kind of shady. And sadly, in regards to witness reports or knowledge of what happened to Nancy or any clues as to who she was taken by, that is what was given and or all that is listed online in regards to that. March 19th, 2003, this had been seven weeks since Nancy disappeared. Nancy Walker's body had been found on the side of the Bishop Ford Highway by a cleaning crew. And from right now till about 30 seconds to a minute, there is going to be a trigger warning with graphic crime scene details. Nancy had been dismembered and parts of her body were found in three trash bags. Some articles described them as three black contractor bags. Her head was in one, her legs were in one, and her arms were in the other. Her torso was never found. It was found that Nancy had been strangled and beaten. Nancy had been brutally murdered, taken from her family and friends, and left on the side of the road. According to an article from Fox 32 Chicago, published in June of 2022, quote, A 27-year-old pattern shows a disturbing trend of Chicago women being strangled to death and their bodies discarded across the city. Their killers are rarely, if ever, found. This pattern mostly includes black women, and according to a Chicago PD spokesperson, quote, each of these cases has been reviewed by detectives who are detailed to the FBI's Violent Crimes Task Force, and there is no evidence linking the cases to each other or to suggest there is a serial killer responsible for these homicides. Detectives are continuing to investigate the cases individually as we work to seek justice on behalf of the victims and their families. Either way, whether a serial killer, multiple serial killers, or multiple individuals are behind this, it is clearly a massive problem, if that can even be a word big enough to describe this. Problem does not seem like the right word for this situation and a pattern over 27 years worth of 
women being strangled to death in Chicago or beaten or murdered and most of them being black and indigenous women. It's clearly a massive problem if you want to call it a problem. It's much more than that, but it's something that needs to be solved. It has now been 20 years since Nancy's murder and justice has not been brought forward for Nancy or her loved ones. This has become a cold case. To quote Del Marie Cobb, quote, There's someone walking around here who thinks they got away with murder, and we can't let them get away with murder. I tried looking around because none of the articles that I found provided information on who to contact if you have any information regarding Nancy or her murder. I just searched for this information on my own with who you could potentially contact. So if you have any information regarding the murder of Nancy Carolyn Walker, please contact the Chicago Police Department at 312-746-8386 or the FBI or FBI Violent Crimes Task Force at fbi.gov. And again, I had read in one of the articles that in reference to the Chicago PD, they do have a cold case unit, but after looking around on their website and elsewhere within the articles that I provided as my resources for this case, I could not find any numbers or information in order to contact the Chicago cold case department or cold case unit. So, I'm sure with the information provided just now, the Chicago PD's main number, they can direct you if you have any information regarding Nancy's murder to the right department within their police force. So, please, if you have anything, know anything, remember something from back then, saw something back then, or just in general are from the Chicago area and have any information on Nancy, whether it was that day, days before, you saw something, you heard something, or you saw something on the Bishop Highway where her body was found, anything that could connect another piece of information to this case, please contact either the Chicago Police Department or the FBI. And as always, that information will be provided in the resources as well as this episode's show notes. You can also use any of that call to action information in regards to any of the other missing or murdered women within the Chicago area since that clearly is an epidemic going on, especially within the black community. And aside from that, I don't really have anything else, sadly, to add to this case, but I do recommend, aside from that call to action, to partake in another call to action for this week's episode. Even if you don't have information regarding Nancy Carolyn Walker's case, I would love for you to check out the website where I got a lot of her story from, from unforgotten51.com. That website provides a lot of information and a lot more stories on other women and maybe lesser known cases within the Chicago area that need to be discussed and need to be heard. And I just would love for you to check those stories out. 
read up on these stories, get to know these stories, and the detailed background stories of the victims because, as always, they're who really matter in these cases. And I really, really, really am going to dive into each and every one of those. Even if I don't cover them on this podcast, I'm going to read them in my own time because it's super important, especially when they haven't received the media coverage that they deserved. Each story definitely deserves an equal amount of coverage. So, check those out. And aside from that, I will get into the spiel. You can find Crime Colts and Coffee on Instagram. That's where I post pictures of coffee reviewed, any past coffee reviews, past episodes, important podcast information, or merch, or any really fun listener story posts that I repost. Those can all be found in the highlights on the Instagram page. The link tree in the bio has most of the listening platforms that this podcast is on. If you go to Facebook at Crime Colts and Coffee, that's where I put any resources, photos, links, calls to action in relation to the episode you're listening to. Again, I am still behind on that because everything has just been so crazy lately and I'm trying to keep up on everything on my own. I will eventually catch up with that, I promise, but no matter what, you can always find the calls to action in the episode show notes. If you have a listener story or case suggestion, you can email me at crimecoltsandcoffee at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at crimecoltsandcoffee. Both of those places are also where you can send any listener art, which I truly appreciate and love and hold close to my heart. And it's really funny. Actually, I had someone reach out to me today. Shout out Bray saying that in last week's episode, I mentioned holding some people accountable that have reached out and said they're sending me a listener story. And she's like, I am definitely going to be sending you one soon. So thanks, Brie. I'm waiting on it. But no rush. You can also, if you like this podcast, leave a rate and review. It would be greatly appreciated. I will send you some free stickers. And if you aren't able to leave a rate and review or don't want to, on any listening platform of your choice, you can like, you can follow, you can subscribe, and that will let you know when new episodes come out each week. Either way, I appreciate you listening every week. Tell your friends and family about the podcast so they could hear some stories, especially of the lesser known cases that I tried to cover because, as always mentioned, everyone's story deserves to be told just as much as the other. I greatly appreciate everyone who listens. And with that, I am going to end today's episode by saying... Check out the stores if you are a Halloween fanatic like me that are already carrying Halloween items. This is the only holiday where I'm excited for the stuff to hit the stores in July. It's actually really funny. I don't know if I mentioned this in an episode before or not. I have pregnancy brain, so don't mind me because I say this every episode. I can't remember what I say and what I don't anymore, but I was at a Home Goods recently with my mom, maybe like two months ago or so. And we're walking around and she was asking me like, oh, do you like anything? Do you want anything? Is there anything you need? Blah, 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 blah. And <laughs> I said to her, 
oh my god, I just had a revelation. And she's like, what? And I'm like, I fucking hate this store unless there's Halloween stuff in it. <laughs> so not to bash you home goods, but I love when you have your Halloween stuff and otherwise I don't really need anything from you. So <laughs> I just found that funny and I'm not shaming home goods by any means. Like, yes, they have great stuff, but just not typically my style is all I meant by that comment. But anyways, Go check out any stores. Spirit of Halloweens are popping up everywhere. And in case you didn't know, you can access their website year round. And that is my advice for the night and or day whenever you're listening. Until next week. Bye. regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook